0: Welcome to the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. Every week we examine a chapter from the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. You can find our weekly content by searching Adams Road Podcast on your podcast app. Let's start today by listening through Acts chapter 9, verses 17 through 29. Ananias departed and entered into the house. Laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he received his sight. He arose and was baptized. He took food and was strengthened. Saul stayed several days with the disciples who were at Damascus Immediately in the synagogues he proclaimed to the Christ, that he is the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed and said, Isn't this he who in Jerusalem made havoc of those who called on this name? And he had come here intending to bring them bound before the chief priests. But Saul increased more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived at Damascus, proving that this is the Christ. When many days were fulfilled, the Jews conspired together to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul. They watched at the gates both day and night that they might kill him. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through the wall, lowering him in a basket. When Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him not believing that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the way and that he had spoken to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. He was with them entering into Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus. He spoke and disputed against the Hellenists but they were seeking to kill him. In the story of Saul's conversion is a beautiful parallel to Jesus' death and resurrection. Jesus was dead and in the tomb three days before his glorious resurrection. Saul was blind for three days before having his sight restored and then being filled with the Holy Spirit. His three-day fast and blindness almost seemed to serve as a transitional time where Saul, so to speak, died to himself as he prayed and fasted, seeking to know God and his will. Saul repented, finding new life after three days, full of sight in the Holy Spirit. I find it significant Saul was able to experience immediate fellowship with other disciples after his conversion. He stayed several days with the disciples who were at Damascus. What a blessing for him, who had just had his life turned upside down, to have fellow believers at his side to pour into and encourage him in these very early stages as a new Christian. These believers couldn't have been strangers to Saul's reputation for persecuting Christians. So for them to show up and host this guy would have been an incredible display of grace. I remember my early stages as a Christian. I was blessed to have my own Ananias and company in my life, so to speak, when I first came to faith in Jesus. My family and I actually still attended the Christian church where I began fellowshipping shortly after I was saved. A brother in Christ and deacon in our congregation took me in under his wings and immediately embraced me as family, kind of like an adopted father. I had just left a works-based false religious system. He could have viewed me as a danger or a threat or questioned the genuineness of my conversion but he chose rather to welcome me with open arms, no doubt patiently enduring my immaturity and lack of grounding in God's word. He and his wife hosted weekly small group get-togethers for young married couples at the church. And my wife, who was also a recent convert to Christ, and I were so fortunate to have a community of seasoned believers early on in our Christian walk who helped disciple and encourage us I can imagine Saul's time with Ananias and others in Damascus was an encouraging blessing for him as well. Moving on, starting in verse 20. Immediately in the synagogues he proclaimed the Christ, that he is the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed and said, Isn't this he who in Jerusalem made havoc of those who called on his name? And he has come here, intending to bring them bound before the chief priests. But Saul increased more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived at Damascus, proving that this is the Christ. Saul was a scholar of the Torah. He probably began quickly connecting some dots and understanding how Jesus was indeed the promised Messiah according to the scriptures. And so, he likely applied that knowledge to reason and debate with the Jews there in Damascus, probably in the synagogue, Amazingly, even though Saul was just a babe in Christ, a fresh convert, by the grace of God, he was able to confound the Jews and prove that Jesus is the Christ. Verse 23, when many days were fulfilled, the Jews conspired together to kill him. Saul had worked hand in hand with the Jews to try and stomp out the Christian movement. He had been a well-respected leader among the Jews, but now that he was a Christian, he'd be the object of their persecutions. How quickly his friends and fellow kinsmen turn on him? When we come out of darkness into the light of the gospel of Christ, how quickly do many of our friends and family who don't love Jesus turn on us? When I got saved and left my former religion for Jesus, I lost one of my best friends from high school. He cut me out of his life. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. On the other side of the coin, being a friend of Jesus makes you an enemy to the world. This is because people in their natural and fallen state, outside of regeneration by God's Holy Spirit, love the darkness rather than the light because their works are evil. They hate the light and don't want to come to it because it exposes their sin. Moving on, starting in verse 24. But their plot became known to Saul they watched the gates both day and night that they might kill him. But his disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall, lowering him in a basket. I've never had someone seeking my life. If I was Paul, I think I'd be super paranoid. Often the slightest disruptions or opposing forces in my life bring about enough anxiety to cause me trouble sleeping. I think if someone was actually plotting to kill me, and I knew it, I'd like never sleep. Could you imagine being in Saul's shoes? How terrifying for the average human being. I mean, he was being hunted. I'd imagine only in the strength of Christ and comfort of the Holy Spirit could one find peace to cope and courage to endure. Saul wasn't alone, he had Jesus. And the body of Christ was on his team. They helped him actually escape. Man, how important is Christian community as a believer? We all need each other. The enemy prowls around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Even if we're not in physical peril, often temptation sits at the door. There are spiritual dangers and pitfalls all around. There are trials to endure, battles to fight. A sheep separated from the flock is an easy target for the wolf. Facing life's challenges in isolation is a recipe for disaster. But when Christ's flock is unified and in fellowship, we're stronger, right? We can look out for one another, protect each other, and work together against the opposing forces in our lives. And Saul depended on fellow disciples to help him get to safety. All right, let's move on to verse 26. When Saul had come to Jerusalem, He tried to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. Saul was well known among the Christians in Jerusalem. He was a prominent figure with a history of persecuting them under the approval of the high priest. Suddenly they were to believe this guy was on their side. Ananias in Damascus was told by the Lord to find Saul and lay hands on him so he could receive his sight. He was hesitant to do so, but obeyed the Lord. And like Ananias, the Jerusalem believers also had their doubts. They could have been thinking something along the lines of this. Could Saul really have been converted? Or is he just trying to get on the inside to spy on us and turn us over to the authorities? Maybe they just wanted more evidence that Saul had been converted to Christ, that he was trustworthy. Verse 27. But Barnabas took him, and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the way and that he had spoken to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. All right, you guys remember Barnabas, right, from Acts 4? His original name was actually Joseph. The believers called him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. In Acts 4, Barnabas was an encouragement in his generosity selling his possessions and laying the proceeds at the apostles' feet for distribution. Now Barnabas is an encouragement to Saul, standing up for him and commending him to the believers in Jerusalem. Moving on. He was with them, entering into Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus. He spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. Saul wasted no time and got back to proclaiming Jesus, just as he had in Damascus. This guy was fearless, and like in Damascus, his bold preaching had stirred up the Jerusalem hornet's nest. Once again, the Jews were trying to kill him. Have you ever watched a boxing match where one of the guys is getting pounded each and every round by his opponent, but instead of throwing in the towel after a round, he keeps coming back for more and more? That was Saul. The dude had to be let down in a basket at night to escape those who wanted to kill him in Damascus. But instead of running away from the snake den, Saul approaches an even more dangerous one. If the Jews in Damascus wanted Saul's head, you can be sure those in Jerusalem would be after him. And they were.
1: on war with the flesh but with cosmic powers over there's present darkness and evil forces up above but we've already won through Christ who loved us more than conquerors we are to run the race. Endurance, we are to run. The prize will be given. Awaits us in, awaits us in the heavens. Awaits us in, awaits us in the heavens. So we run. Be shown and the people, astray. the love of many will grow cold. If we endure, then we'll be saved. The world is gonna hate. We stand firm in our faith, for Jesus we raise. We are to run the race with all endurance. We are to run. The prize will be given. Awaits us in. Awaits us in the heavens. Awaits us in. Awaits us in the heavens. Endurance, we are to run. The prize will be given. Awaits us in. Awaits us in the heavens. Awaits us in. Awaits us in the heavens. So we run.
0: That was "Run" from the Adams Road album *Son of Man*.
2: By the works of the law, no human being will be justified, since through the law comes knowledge of sin righteousness of God has been shown apart from the law. Our dead has been nailed to the cross. Not to nullify God's grace for its righteousness. Us. so we take things above not here below we are his
3: witnesses he has sent us we will go.
0: That was fulfilling all righteousness from the Adams Road album, Son of Man. This is the Adams Road podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. You can learn more about us at AdamsRoadMinistry.com. Again, that's AdamsRoadMinistry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Feel free to join us next week as we examine Acts chapter 9, verses 26 to 43. Grace and peace be with you all.